once more with podcast. <laughs> okay, so um, welcome to um, our newly titled "Once More with Podcast." Um, the uh, official Buffy Boards podcast. Um, I'm Athena. I'm Taki. And uh, we're your hosts because we're really cool. <laughs> and uh, so. I think the first thing we'll do is we'll we'll just go through some Buffy Boards news. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, and we'll thank everybody for the feedback and kind words of the pilot episode of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I, I really wasn't expecting really any kind words. Um, <laughs> what kind of <laughs> listeners? <laughs> yeah, I think we, we kind of thought we might get one. Um, and that would probably be Buffy Summers, who would then turn around and say, you are not putting this on my forum. Uh, <laughs> what do you call this? This is tribe. Um, this is good. But, um, <laughs> she actually kind of liked it. Um, so, and, and, uh, and everyone did. So that's really, um, that's really great. And, um, thank you for that. We, yeah. And we, we got some great feedback, which was basically just, um, carry on what you're doing. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, hopefully um, people will continue to listen and continue to enjoy. And I uh, think that's all we can um, really hope for. Um, we've got a great podcast lined up. Um, but, Don't um, sell it. <laughs> <laughs> it was your idea. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm picking up your idea here. Uh, <laughs> Um, I think um, as well, we also had the stage play. Um, Which was great. Uh, it was it was just great to see how many wanted to participate, and just it was just great fun altogether. And I might be wrong, but I don't think has everyone actually been guessed. I don't think every all of the roles have actually been guessed yet. Have oh, they? I thought we had already given out the response or like the answer sheets. Have we? I thought so. But maybe we haven't. Oh, it's a good, um, this is the crack team that runs things around here. <laughs> yeah. I, to be honest, it was always your baby, the, the stage play. And, and I just kind of helped um, try and, and get things organized. So I, I, I'm a little bit out of the loop. I didn't realize that we'd already announced it. I know yeah, I announced it. I thought you said you would. So I'm handing you the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you the baby back. Take that baby back. Um, but I know I know I got guessed quite early on, and uh, I, tr- I tried to kind of ride it out a little bit, but it, it didn't work. But um, everyone did so super brilliantly on that. I think everyone really kind of knocked it out of the park. And um, I think you know we've we've got to obviously say a big thank you really to not just for the stage play, but for the last podcast as well to Mr. Pole. Who spent quite a lot of time, you know, putting everything together and doing the editing work, and um, and he did a killer job definitely, on that. Definitely, it was great to hear, and um, a lot of work, and yeah, so much fun. I had a little bit of fun with my part. I totally over overacted because, well, fun. <laughs> well, exactly, and you know, you, you choose to do it how you choose to do it. I chose to put on a terrible American accent. I thought and, it was uh, great. I thought it was very, very Cher from Clueless. <laughs> it was a very daily girl. I was channeling Cher from Clueless. But then I listened back and I realised that at the end of a sentence, I, I went all British again. 
So, um, yeah, I, I obviously need to work on uh, that if I'm ever going to be that, you know, famous Hollywood actress slash producer slash singer, songwriter slash, you know, everything else that's probably going to come my way at, at some point in the near future. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, everyone, everyone did super great on that. Um, we've also, I know that they're currently still doing the comic reread as well. I'm totally out of the loop because I don't have these seasons, but they are currently reading Buffy Season 9 and Angel and Faith issues 1 through 5, I think, on the first uh-huh. season of that. And I've, I've kind of never really bothered much with the comics, but I'm kind of thinking maybe I should be. <laughs> because it sounds like, you know, if, well, it sounds like they're really busy and they're, you know, going through these comics quite quickly. Um, but people talk on the forums about, you know, Buffy Season 9, Buffy Season 10, and, you know, Angel After the Fall, and Angel and Faith, and all these different comics, and I'm a bit like, I think I should know <laughs> what they're talking about, and I really don't, so um, I must admit, I, I've i cheated a little bit, and I've kind of read about what happens. Oh, I do that the- too, and I'm addicted to following the, the, the covers, because I love seeing the cover art. <laughs> Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of some really art. definitely. Um, and the book club uh, still on the wisdom of war, mm-hmm. um, which again I really don't know anything about. Um, as staff go, I, well, I'm pretty rubbish. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not partaking. Um, but I'm again, fabulous. Thank you. But no, I'm not partaking. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, look, we're doing our own thing. You know, this this podcast is takes a lot very, of planning. Takes a lot of planning. At least five minutes went into the planning and preparation of this very podcast. Don't be stingy. Uh, probably like six minutes, <laughs> possibly even seven. Six minutes. The, the, we agreed on five. Don't be taking that extra minute. That <laughs> cast is overtime. I'm not paying you for that. <laughs> um. And, of course, the other thing that we are definitely both doing is the Dollhouse Rewatch. Oh, yes. Um, which excruciatingly slow pace of one episode a week, which is an awesome pace, and it's really good to just practice oneself to watch one episode a week one, uh, once more because, well, I'm very used to binge-watching. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that for some people it's probably very frustrating um, to do the one episode a week thing, but, you know... I think it's only frustrating right when the episodes end and you kind of just want to keep going if you have them on DVD or whatever, you know, you just kind of want to finish the disc or whatever. Uh, yeah. But it's kind of nice if you... It, it is kind of nice to just watch one a week and then you have time to process and you... I don't know, it, everything comes in a different perspective when you see them so far apart, you know? Yeah, and also it's been really good as well. As, as a completely new viewer, I mean... I've been really enjoying it. From from what people said to me um, before I started the the rewatch, um, a lot of people said, "Oh, you know, the first few episodes are not very good. Um, don't and they're not. You know, don't, don't hold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't hold out much hope. And you know, you're probably not going to enjoy them. But on the whole, I would say they've been reasonably enjoyable. Um, I've got That's a lot a of glowing issues. review. <laughs> I do. I do have a lot of issues. So far, you know, and I, I've made my issues really clear on the rewatch threads. You know, I you're too moral. 
<laughs> I think <laughs> I just, I'm just not entirely comfortable at the moment with how these dolls are treated and I just really want to but see that change. I, I don't think you're supposed to be comfortable with it. I think that's kind of the whole point of it. Like, we're not supposed to think that the dollhouse is a good thing or think that the imprinting technique or whatever is a good thing, you know? It's kind of like being in the belly of the beast, mm. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, on the whole, I, I am enjoying it. And um, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of them. Um, and are we moving yeah. on to this theme or this week's uh, yeah. theme? Well, as this is your theme, I think uh, I think you should introduce the theme because this is something that you thought of. And absolutely, uh, we are calling this episode "The Government Gave Me Bad Hair" because we, we are. are talking about the memory loss episodes of Buffy and Angel. That means tabula rasa for Buffy and spin the bottle for Angel. Of course, we did discuss this, too, that spin the bottle, they don't, whether or not it's memory loss, it's, you know, because they revert back to teenagers, but we're yeah, calling they it. they become 17, don't they? Exactly, but we're calling it the memory loss episodes. <laughs> yeah, because they're very similar themed episodes. They're both based on, you know, memories and magic. Um, kind of the, the consequences of magic, too. Oh. Yeah. Definitely. And I I we've when um when we discussed obviously doing the episode, I think immediately we both kind of went for an episode each. <laughs> yeah, uh, cuz um, you were concerned that uh, your initial concern was that you were so you had such a strong preference for Tabula Rasa. What? And I was <laughs> like that's okay cuz I have such a strong preference for spin the bottle. So even though we're probably a minority on the boards, Angel mm. fans, I have your back. And <laughs> Athena is Team Buffy. Well, I mean, looking at the boards, I mean, Tabula Rasa is, is such a divisive episode. I thought it was kind of universally beloved. Oh, and a lot of people aren't that keen. Um, well, then I, mean, I feel better because I wasn't that keen on it this time either. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think without further ado, I think we should just jump right in um, and discuss um, spin the bottle and tabula rasa. Um, I mean, I'm happy to go with spin the bottle first if you are. Uh, it does not matter to me. You can pick. I pick the theme. You can pick the order. Well. Ladies first, <laughs> spin the bottle. <laughs> I think we should, I think we'll go with that first. Okay. So I'm just gonna go refer to my notes, my extensive notes that I made on this uh, on this episode. Um, but obviously, it's it's your favourite. Um, I mean, why 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 is it so good? Uh, well, partly because it's it's just hilarious. I think that the humour is awesome. Uh, they have a lot of great jokes in there. You know, it's amazing to get to see the characters as teenagers. For example, to get to see Angel as a teenager is hilarious. And to get to see old Cordelia and, like, silly Wesley yeah. again. Uh, yeah. There's also, you know, the Cordelia-Angel love drama, which was it's very emotional and I, I do like that uh, in this episode it's kind of the heartbreak that frames the episode you know yeah and 
particularly on that, I mean, the episode kind of starts off, I mean, obviously it starts off with Lorne, and who doesn't love Lorne? I mean, Lorne is... (laughs) probably one of my favourite characters in Angel. Um, but it starts off sort of towards the start, you've got that conversation between Cordelia and, and Angel and um, where, you know, she asks, were we in love? Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, they kind of have a discussion about it. And then I really loved at the end of the episode, they they ask it, she asks it again. Now he asks it. Oh, he asks it. She goes, we were, and, and she, you know, and she says, past tense, obviously, and it's, it's yeah. really sad that um, it's, it's very heartbreaking to see his face when she just runs away from him. Um, so, yeah, that's partly why I think uh, it's so awesome, and I would also say that Mainly it's Wesley, like Wesley a thousand times Wesley. He's so good in this episode. I actually watched the commentary afterwards and apparently uh, they actually came up with the idea for the episode because they kind of wanted to bring back old goofy Wesley and they succeed, you know, because he is hilarious and he falls down and he's silly. He is hilarious. (laughs) It's like... I mean, I I am such a big fan of Wesley. And Wesley at the start of the episode, you know, when he's all kind of badass with his knives. And, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I I do love that Wesley. I love... It's nice the, to get to the best of both worlds. Like, you get badass, yeah. evolved Wesley, but you also get, like, super silly head boy Wesley. <laughs> and I love the joke that Cordelia, um, Cordelia says when he says... Um, you know, uh, yeah, I was head boy, and um, she says something like, "I wonder how you earned that nickname." <laughs> Quite a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, obviously, the, you know, the episode is, you know, mainly I think about Cordelia and obviously what's going to happen with her. But it was just so great to see teenage Cordelia, you know, the Cordelia that we knew from Buffy and the snarky sarcastic Cordelia exactly to get to see her again wonderful to see so so much fun and also I think that the episode is just it's beautiful because I think they they use a lot of more sophisticated camera work so it's just visually to me a very pleasing episode um it is a very good looking episode I mean it's I was kind of struck initially um by when they're all kind of sitting down, sort of in the circle, um, and I think the camera kind of pans sort of round them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I love shots like that. I think it's, you know, and they're all holding hands, and and then they have like the, is it like a, the the bottle kind of produces a, emanate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you would call it. Um, you know, and it kind it kind of hits them all. Um, although I was a bit confused because. Nothing seemed to happen to Lorne. Why was that? Wasn't it because he was knocked out? He gets but knocked I, out, right? And then he's... Or maybe it's because he's a demon? I don't know. I was... Isn't that's that one of the notes that I kind of wrote down was... um, what, what, Kind of... Because Lorne did get knocked out, but I thought he got knocked out... Because he kind of stumbles around the back after the eminence kind of comes through. And he kind of stumbles around the back and falls over and gets knocked out. But I was just a bit confused, like, why he didn't. 
become 17 year old Lorne, but <laughs> maybe he maybe was the... number 17. We don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was born he 17. <laughs> maybe he was born the same age he is now. <laughs> well, have you seen his mother? <laughs> oh, thank goodness she didn't turn out like her. Um, <laughs> um, but just on the subject of, of parents, obviously. We do see. Oh, I'm going to say one more thing just on the plus side of this episode. Let's just all be honest and say that it was a fantastic move of them to not have Angel try to speak Irish. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of explain that away and that he, yeah, he just doesn't have to try to do an accent because that would probably have been kind of terrible. Yeah, I think that would have been far too distracting. I think that um, just the the whole sort of realization that it's sort of 17-year-old Liam and, you know, he hates the English. and uh, <laughs> His whole bathroom he... scene, which is obviously a very sophisticated joke for masturbation when he is changing <laughs> his face. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. a vampire. And <laughs> yeah. And Liam, I mean, in a way, I kind of felt a little bit like, because I, I never kind of thought that the episode was about Angel so much as it was about, you know, Cordelia. But when, you know, when Liam actually, 17-year-old Liam, does appear, um, he keeps referring to his father a lot, um, which I kind of find quite interesting because, obviously, you know, he became Angelus and he ended up killing his father. I always Uh, thought it was weird that I think it's Fred who says that they are 17 and I always got the feeling that they were kind of younger that they were more like 15 because it seems like Liam has never you know been drinking or anything he seems to still be kind of worshipping his father and Buffy or Cordelia obviously has no memory of Buffy which she should have if she was 17 so I think that uh, I'm not sure why they said that they were 17 but maybe I think that the, guess. I, yeah, I think it's. I think Liam is so about his father because probably he hasn't really gone about his bad ways yet. You know, like he hasn't started drinking or frolicking or whatever. He's probably still a God-fearing young boy. Yeah, but I think he is definitely starting to think about it because he he does kind of talk about his father, like he respects his father, but then he does kind of say, oh, you know, my father's really controlling, Um, you know, my father wants me to stay away from sin and yet he sins himself. And so I think sort of towards the end of the episode, I did, you did kind of very much see a switch in him kind of turn on. Yeah, very nice. Uh, especially very nice yeah. parallel with him and Connor, how they both felt about their fathers at that age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Connor. Connor's one of those characters. I think he's, in a way, he's necessary to the episode. But honestly, I, I don't really to... feel that he was necessary for the episode. I feel like, like it's it's really nice when he and Angel kind of. They don't really bond, but when or when Liam talks about his dad, and you can see that Connor relates. Um, but otherwise, I kind of feel like Connor is—he's just there because he has to be, but he doesn't really serve the episode that well. Like it wouldn't—it wouldn't suffer if he wasn't in it. Well, someone needed to save Cordelia, I suppose. Uh, and Wesley could have—he was on his way. <laughs> He was, and then he trips over, and it's just the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think that was unscripted or something. Oh, maybe it wasn't. I'm, 
I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Alexis Densoff just kind of tripped over and they just kind of kept it in because they thought it was <laughs> hilarious. Because, because it is hilarious. It, it is hilarious. But if you look back to Wesley on um, season three of Buffy and just it's it's just exactly how he was back then. And he was clumsy and awkward. and Yeah. I mean, Wesley is definitely the standout character. And it's clear that they had a complete blast filming it and you know just being having a different take on these characters and moving away from the more serious aspects of the season exactly. I think that that's point. what both of these episodes actually have in common it's like they're like these bright little moments of comic relief in very serious seasons so they're kind of very necessary I think both for viewers and for the actors you know to just kind of get to goof off a little especially since it's quite far into both shows so um. yeah i mean obviously with i think with both episodes um they are very funny episodes and you know definitely comedic highlights um of both series but i think that comedy is very clever in masking the serious undertone of the episode and and there's a lot of foreshadowing going on um Especially with Cordelia, and but also with um, like the whole Fred Gunn and Wesley love triangle, they also get a lot of like serious stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the series as a whole, I mean, I I really loved Fred and Gunn, and I think I know I'm in the minority. No, because I love them too. No one else loves Fred and Gunn. I do. Uh, Oh, yay! <laughs> Clones! Um, <laughs> but I know that a lot of people don't love Fred and Gunn together. I mean, I thought their relationship sort of earlier on, sort of in season two, I thought was really sweet. And it's really clear that they are really suffering. After, you know, the aftermath of um, Fred's professor in the previous episode, I think it was the previous episode, yeah. um, who tried to obviously dispatcher um and you know wesley was the only one who was willing to help her and you know eventually gun did what he had to do to kind of save her humanity um and the one thing that kind of always brings me back to fred is you know she's she is just that sweet girl from texas and i think that kind of comes across in this episode that She's, well, she's a sweet girl from Texas who likes weed. <laughs> and she's also very into conspiracy theories. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And she, I mean, she must have a lot of faith in Lorne. I mean, I don't know if there's some sort of subconscious thing going on with, with Fred, but she's quite willing to untie Lorne and get an antidote <laughs> when, you know, if you've just woken up and you're 17 and you've got a green skinned horned demon in front of you yeah i think it speaks to like i think it's kind of um how they're trying to show that she's maybe a little bit closer to lauren than others or maybe like that she's basically a little bit more trusting than the rest of them yeah i definitely think that you know they're they're putting her across as kind of she's she is more the voice of reason in the group you know she's intelligent and she can just kind of sense that this this guy's not the devil that, you know, he he is her friend and and 
<laughs> then again, the bar is pretty low when you consider who the others are as, as teenagers. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the first thing Cordelia says to her is something along the lines of, you know, oh, yeah, let's be friends and, you know, not, or something like that. And she, Cordelia is the complete queen bee, isn't she? And um, <laughs> But she is fantastic to watch. And in a way, it made me really sad because we don't see this Cordelia again. Ever. You know, we don't actually see Cordelia ever again. Well, we see her in Your Welcome. Apart from in Your Welcome. Oh, but which, again, makes me quite sad. That's kind of like a Hail Mary. Basically, we don't see Cordelia again on the show for... Yeah, except for that one-off. This is like the death of Cordelia in a way. Uh, and it's... Um, it is very sad, but it's also kind of nice that they went out with a little bit of a bang, uh, you know, that you get to see, like, original Cordelia. Yeah, absolutely. Original Cordelia is the best definitely. Cordelia. And she is definitely the one of the highlights, you know, just having her um, in this episode, being Cordelia. You know, Wesley is obviously standout as well. Gunn doesn't really do much other than tell people about how he's been fighting vampires since he was 12 or something um he's a little bit hit or miss in this episode I, I kind of feel like the writers were maybe a little bit like we've got this guy and we're not really sure what to do with him so he can just say about how he used to fight vampires all the time I thought and it was actually very suiting for his character it felt like he would have just been maybe just a tad bit more street you know yeah, and I thought that they got that across well. Like, like his change wouldn't be as dramatic as the rest of the guys, because also he's not, I think he's a little bit younger than most of them, or maybe not Cordelia, but she has made quite the journey, so it's hard to compare with her. But um, I actually thought it was very suiting for his character. So what, what, what do you think is the weakest point of the episode? Uh, the weakest point of the episode for me is how willing Connor is to hurt his dad just to get some action. <laughs> um, yeah, I would kind of be in agreement with you about that, to be honest. Like, that felt a little bit like, would he really, like, fine, I know he has a beef with Angel, but clearly something is going on with Cordelia. He's not stupid. Uh, and, like, would he really kill his dad just to maybe get some action? I don't know. It was, yeah. yeah, it's... <laughs> It's because we're getting into that very sort of creepy Cordelia O'Connor yeah. territory now. It's kind of weirdly edible because she is a change of diapers. I know. <laughs> I, I, I still kind of don't know what they were thinking when they thought this was a good idea. No. But yeah, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, it it kind it creeps me out a lot. And there must have been another way to kind of carry on with the story i know they had to accommodate charisma carpenter's pregnancy somehow um, yeah but i kind of feel like there are a lot of shows where fine the, the actress gets pregnant and then they kind of shoot around it so i feel like yeah, like a handbag in front of her or something yeah or something you know i feel like if they hadn't been basically if joss hadn't been mad at charisma or something then they could have worked around it elsewise like i don't think she needed to carry jasmine i think that was a terrible idea <laughs> yeah yeah it it kind of 
it kind of ruined the season really for me um to to kind of have that included um like, i do love this season it's um i think it's a great season but that part is it's it's not good it's definitely not Joss's best no but obviously this episode is you know we are because i think it's the next episode isn't it when things progress um <laughs> but yeah there's there's the whole kind of obsession that Connor has with her is bordering on on yeah Oedipal and creepy and even like the where he saves the girl in the in the alley and she obviously turns out to be a, a sex worker and she's like oh you know uh I'll I'll sort you out and if you've got fifty dollars and and then mentions the horrible comment about oh go home to your mama and I was like (laughs) because it was just like the most disgusting and foreshadowing that I've kind of ever heard in my life (laughs) so yeah that that I agree with you that was definitely kind of the weakest um what about the strongest uh well for me the strongest is I mean honestly for me it's kind of the whole episode like the whole thing works for me from Lauren's foolproof magic plan to the whole execution of it I honestly Connor the Connor thing is like the only weak point for me otherwise I can only say glowing things about this episode uh which I know is probably not the case for you but I just I really love it uh, I think it's it's beautifully done and the actors do great and uh, it's just, it's just funny. <laughs> the thing is, if we never had Tabula Rasa, if Tabula Rasa didn't exist, then I would probably kind of look at Spin the Bottle in a different way. And I'd say, you know, because it is, it's a great episode. It's funny. You know, it's, it's charming. It's got emotion in it. You know, it's obviously got some weird things in it, but forgetting about those, it's got some great comedic moments. Um, and it's got some great character work as well, sort of from everyone. But Tabula Rasa exists. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I'm like, if Spin the Bottle didn't exist, I would probably like Tabula Rasa more. <laughs> yeah. But now it, I can't it, help it, but compare. And to me, Tabula Rasa just loses in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we shall have to see yeah, about that. Should um, we move on to Tabula Rasa then? Yeah, um, I mean, let me go back in my notes to the extensive notes that I made about Tabula Rasa, which is an episode that I've seen many times, and it's it's one of my favourites, and I think, obviously, the fact it it comes after literally the best episode of Buffy ever made. Are you kidding? (laughs) No, I love what's more with feeling. I absolutely love it. And um, if I could get away with, you know, having a podcast of of me singing the whole soundtrack, then, you know, I probably would. However, um, it would definitely break the internet. It would break Skype. You know, everything would. Basically, it would it would cause the apocalypse. So uh, let's not go there. But after once more with feeling, um, we find out that Buffy was in heaven. Or she thinks she was in heaven. And the reason why Tabula Rasa works so well is after that big reveal, Buffy's been in heaven the whole time and everyone is devastated because they brought her back. And Tabula Rasa is great because 
the comedy in it is so spot on. But it's just it's just wonderful. I mean, how can you how did you not like it? This is actually the first time I have ever watched Tabula Rasa as a standalone. I have always watched it like in context of watching season six. And then I can agree with you that it's necessary because you really need that break uh, with levity because the season is so heavy emotionally and everything. Um, but like watching it now without the context of the rest of the season, I'm like, it just didn't work. It wasn't funny. <laughs> it was just kind of cheesy and I felt yeah, but that's the reason why it's so brilliant. Yeah, so, you know, I, I really felt I I felt like I got I got some new um, like insights though because I did feel like if I had watched season six before any other season, and if this had been one of the first seasons or episodes that I would have watched, then Spike would definitely have been my favorite character because I think that Spike is, or Randy is. I think he's the end-all, be-all of this episode. He is the most valuable player. James is the almost the only actor who does a good job. And just Spike is just amazing. And the, the, he carries the whole episode. Like, that's what's great about this episode. It's it's Randy. Uh, and I bet you never thought you'd say that about an episode of Buffy, Randy. <laughs> it's Randy that carries the episode. It's Randy. It's all about Randy Giles. <laughs> I just, I mean, his lines are just hilarious. Um, you know, why, like, you just called me Horny Giles or Desperate for a Shag Giles. <laughs> I felt like he was like the one character who had any charisma at all. I actually, I actually think that Giles did fine as well. But uh, since he's leaving, it's kind of like this is the end of him for the season almost. So, but. Uh, Giles is great in the episode, but pretty much Spike is what makes this episode worth watching, because the rest of them are kind of... (laughs) Well, the the thing that I love the most about Tabula Rasa is not only is it very funny, but there's a lot of sort of serious... Um, undertones in the episode and I think the the amount of comedy that we get sort of just about balances out with that Um, I think that obviously they needed a vehicle for Anthony Stewart Head to leave the show Mm -hmm. Um, Willow and and Tara to break up and yeah Willow and Tara breaking up Um, which is just uh, that final scene gets me every time uh, watching it again I just I just felt so emotional because I just, I think, because obviously the main themes sort of going through it are the fact that, you know, Buffy has come back from the dead and she's really struggling. You know, we see it. There's um, a beautiful kind of monologue from her just before the, the spell actually kicks in where, you know, she's just so fed up and so upset. And in a way, I kind of wish that the spell hadn't worked because that would have been ample opportunity for Buffy to just get everything off her chest and sort of say, well, this is the reason why I'm so down and I'm depressed and I need help. And But then the spell kicks in and she ends up sort of falling to the floor. And I think that obviously the, the, the main kind of issue, not with the, with the episode, but sort of the reason behind the episode is, is obviously Willow and 
and her growing addiction to magic, um, which is something that we've seen before in a similar episode, uh, another one of my favourites, which is uh, Something Blue, um, where Willow decided to, you know, make a spell and it went a bit wrong and she's kind of done it again. <laughs> um, with hilarious consequences. Um, but I, don't, I, I think the thing that I love about it so much is there are far-reaching consequences for what happens in this episode, but also that even with no memories, you know, the instincts of these people, these characters, are, are still quite true. I mean, you know, Buffy wakes up and she has no idea who she is, but she instinctively goes to Dawn. Yeah, and that was so silly. Like, oh, I, I, I almost fast-forward that scene every time I watch this episode. I just hate that. It's, like, I don't even feel like I'm wa- I feel like I'm watching Sarah and Michelle Trachtenberg standing next to each other. I don't feel like they're Buffy and Dawn at all. It's just, I don't, I think they're, it's kind of terrible acting. I'm sorry. Yeah, but they're not supposed to be Buffy and Dawn, though, because they've lost their memories. They don't know who they are. Yeah, but that's my point. Like, they can't act. Like, can't, <laughs> they can't act not being Buffy. Like, the only one who can act in this episode is kind of James Marsters. Like, if he does fine with it. And the rest of them are kind of, well, Giles does fine, too. But the rest of them are kind of like just being themselves or something. It's. Yeah, I, I, I was. Yeah, I'm sorry, Buffy fans or Tabitha Rosser fans. <laughs> no, <laughs> like in the fur- Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Clone disown. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I I have to disagree. I mean, I think that the I think that it's not incredible acting. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is. It, they don't knock it out of the park. I mean, James Masters is pretty much consistently excellent you know in in much every scene but in the first scene uh of the episode like the opening scene i feel like sarah michelle geller has like completely checked out because it's like well there's the loan shark and let's let's the less we talk about the loan shark no 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 Uh, (laughs) but it's like it's like a three minute scene and i swear to god she rolls her eyes like 50 times it's like she's not even bothering to act anymore she's just standing there rolling her eyes you know Uh, i love that (laughs) and i love the fact as well that it appears like she's wearing a white jumper i know right and like this big cardigan no and it's like they're matching but who wears a jumper and a cardigan (laughs) and i just it distracted me because it distracts me too because I'm also who wears a white jumper and a cardigan and goes slaying. I know at least wear something that's like <laughs> you know easy to slay in and that's not going to get caught on your you know your um your stake or something because surely if you get that caught with wood splinters I mean that, <laughs> that jumper is going to get ripped. I mean you know our insightful commentary. Uh, it's what people will talk about the most. I, like last episode, we were like, oh, it's all about the eyebrows. And I was like, oh my God, how can she wear white after Labor Day? No. <laughs> well, interestingly, I did actually make a comment in my, in my intricate notes that she wears white at the start of the episode, but by the end of the episode, she's back to wearing black again. Yeah, well, which... you know why? Because the episode is basically, it starts out with Buffy's depressed, how can we make, how can we crush her spirit so that she will want to make out with Spike again? And that's kind of what the episode is about. It's just like crushing the lead character just to get some smooches. 
Look, those speeches are well deserved. <laughs> Look, well deserved or not, it just serves like it's like let's make Buffy happy for a minute by letting her forget who she is, and then just to crush her spirit, and then she will never recover. <laughs> No idea you hate this episode so badly. Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm just gonna constantly have to kind of defend this this episode from from your your kind of vicious attacks. Uh, I I think that as episodes go, to be honest, I didn't expect to hate it. I expected to love it because I I was like, oh well, Tabula Ross is the funny one, so this is gonna be great. And then I just felt like this did not work outside of watching it the entire season as an arc, you know? So uh, I didn't expect to viciously hate it. I <laughs> <laughs> kind of didn't expect you to viciously hate it. But, you know, it, in a, the thing is, I think that's the great thing about Buffy, though, is that everyone's going to have their favourite episodes and everyone's going to have episodes that they really hate. And everyone is welcome to their own opinion. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm not a fan of Spin the Bottle. I don't think it's as good as Tabula Rasa, but it does have its positive points. Um, I very much, kind of just comparing the two, I very much kind of liked that, you know, in Tabula Rasa you've got that great scene where Spike realises he's a vampire after imitating Angel and saying, you know, I'm going to help the helpless, you know, I'm a vampire with a soul <laughs> and Buffy replies with, you know, that's lame, um, which I think is, is really funny. Um, but then, obviously, you've got the comparison in, in Angel, um, where he's in the bathroom and he realises that his face is all lumpy as well. And, you know, it's, they are thematically very similar episodes. They are. And I'm like, Tabula Rasa, for me, what is, like, the strong point of Tabula Rasa, which is probably not anybody else's strong point, but it is... Um, I'm not sure if I should say Spike or Randy, but I'm going to go say Randy and Giles, like their whole relationship, because like watching season four, I mean, when they live together, it is like hilarious all the time. The two of them. I am like the odd couple. Yeah, I mean, the two of them just have great chemistry. So like seeing them as like a presumed father and son, uh, it's just amazing. It's I love it. It just gets me every time with with Giles, and he's like older brother, <laughs> father. <laughs> and, I mean, they they work so well together, and in a way that that's what kind of makes me even sadder about this episode is you know we don't see Giles again until the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and we never really see Giles like in context with Spike like this again. Because, no. like, in season seven, he obviously tries to kill Spike, so it's not like they're buddy-buddies then. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of um, much like Spin the Bottle is the last hurrah for uh, Cordelia or old Cordelia. This is kind of the last we see of Spike and Giles having any kind of any kind of relationship. Yeah. And they, I mean, I know that, you know, from sort of, reading interviews with uh, with James Masters, you know, obviously he based his, his accent on Anthony Stewart Head's real accent. Oh, so yes. it was clear that, you know, there was kind of a, a mentoring situation going on behind the scenes. And, you know, obviously to do that, you've got to get on quite well with the person, I think. Um, and I think that really comes across this episode that, you know, I mean, I'd like to think that everyone, like, as soon as the cameras stopped rolling, everyone was like, yeah, let's go for a beer. Yeah, let's hang out. I, that's probably not the case um, because, you know, I think that 
most professional actors just want to go home and you know chill out with their dog or something um but yeah i i think it definitely came across that their relationship on screen was was one of the highlights um but everyone kind of had this kind of instinctive you know um obviously uh willow thinks that she is xander's girlfriend because she's wearing his coat and but she's clearly attracted to tara um who's kind of like this mysterious girl in the corner that you know <laughs> and i i just find that really fascinating that there's still these kind of familiar kind of relationships going on interestingly but i don't know what about if anya and giles they assume that they're a couple well this is the <laughs> this is the amazing thing so Anya and Giles automatically assume that they're engaged because they run the shop together and she has an engagement ring. But Xander has no kind of feelings towards Anya at all. He doesn't even go anywhere near her. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. And then I kind of thought, well, obviously foreshadowing later on in the season where they, you know, he leaves her at the altar. And I just thought, is that foreshadowing or is that just, you know, they just, put Giles and Anya together for, for laughs, which I thought I maybe Giles just, and Anya together were very funny. <laughs> I think maybe they just put them together for laughs because it works. And, you know, let's face it, when they're cleaning up after their kiss, it's it's one of the best scenes of the episode when they're like, oh, my God, this is so dirty, you know. Um, but that's a really interesting point, actually, that Sander doesn't really care about Anya in this episode. Like, it's not like he goes to her or feels instinctively drawn to her. No, he feels more drawn towards Willow. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously they had their little fling um, back in... Well, they have, you know, a very deep connection just as friends. Well, exactly. So, you know, there's there's obviously some sort of familiarity there. Um, but I just, I just found that really interesting. But I think, you know, as far as Fallout goes, um, Giles leaving Buffy, um, I still think, for character-wise... Giles made a terrible a decision. decision. I, I don't think it makes sense for the character at all. Uh, I guess, you know, I, logically, I understand that the actor wanted to go home and they were like, you have a life, you don't need to serve the Buffy fans. But as a Buffy fans, I feel like, serve me, damn it, you stay in yeah. Sunnydale. <laughs> but just, you know, your, your sort of slayer, your, your surrogate daughter is clearly in a bad way you know she clearly got problems clinically depressed and and i understand that you know a father might want to you know might not want his daughter to be overly reliant and might want her to stand on her own two feet and become an adult but you know she's not long lost her mother and she has a younger sister who she now has to raise appreciating that you know Willow and, and Tara have been doing a lot of that in her absence, but she really needs Giles around. And yep. I understand his reasons, but I still think it was a bad decision. It would make more sense if he was like, if he had been living with her and he was like, I'm moving out because you need to be on your own, but I'm a phone call away. Now it's like he goes away and then it doesn't really seem like they talk to him even because when he comes back, it's like, yeah, it's. I'm like, aren't there phones in England? I don't know. You know. No. No. <laughs> to be honest, the, the phone uh, never kind of arrived uh, here. It's going to make a big imprint, huh? <laughs> no. Um, 
no, we still use pigeons. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, we find that, you know, they're very convenient. Um, I mean, it takes a few days for them to, to reach their destination, but... <laughs> But generally, you can roll up that little piece of paper and put it in the in the thing on their leg and send it off, and you can be pretty much guaranteed that your grandma will eventually receive that letter. So basically, you're all just living Harry Potter, right? Like we all expect, uh, suspect you are. Absolutely, except it's pigeons and not owls. Mm. You know, J.K. Rowling got that wrong. Darn <laughs> it! But you know, she she was using creative license, so I, I suppose she didn't want the truth to actually get out about the pigeons so she she changed it to owls but um <laughs> but no we we definitely have telephones we we use them regularly um yeah why why they couldn't have called him or he called them or for him to just randomly turn up at the end of the season um it's a nice moment it's it's a great moment when he turns up but it's it's weird that there has seems to have been like no contact yeah contact between and it, them how how does he not know kind of what's going on? You know, how like how how, does, how did Buffy not call him when it turned out that Willow was an addict? You know, exactly. You know why would you know if you find out that someone you know? I mean, I've never experienced this myself, but someone you know is is an addict and they need help, and surely the, you'd be on the first flight, I'd, especially if you're a child. Then it's Willow. I That's, mean. Cause like what did what, what did he have going for him in England except for the other watchers? He probably had a nice big house in the country. <laughs> well, he did have a nice big house in the country. We know he did. Um, but again, what what was so important for him to go back to England? I just I I don't get it. And that's if if there was kind of a failing. It's not for me. It's not a failing with the episode. It's they had to obviously write him out and they had to do it quite quickly and. They wanted him in Once More Than Feeling because he sings fantastically. Um, and he obviously sings in that about, you know, he knows that he's got to leave. Oh, I still but, have that song on my iPod. I love that song. It's my favorite song from Once More Than Feeling. I love all the songs from Once More Than Feeling, <laughs> I'm going to lie. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a beautiful song. And um, the uh, reprise, the du- duet that he does with um, Terror as well um, on that soundtrack, I think is absolutely beautiful because she's got a beautiful voice as well together they have great voices yeah yeah and that is a great song and and obviously willow and and tara's breakup is it's it's kind of heartbreaking you know willow had an opportunity to make make this right and tara gave her a chance and it speaks to willow's character she's kind of a quick fix kind of person and i think it's a great moment when, you know, they realize what has happened and just the sadness on Tara's face, it's, it's really heartbreaking. It, it absolutely is. And, and also, another thing that I kind of picked up, and I don't know whether this was conscious either, but in Once More With Feeling, we figure out at the end that it was um, Xander who summoned the demon, which or is a stupid who knows? I still think it was Dawn. In my in my head canon, it's Dawn. Um, but so we figure out that he summoned the demon. But in this episode, which is obviously the episode after, um, he actually kind of breaks the spell yeah. because he steps on the crystal. And it was kind of 
And I don't know whether that was a conscious thing of the writers to kind of rectify his wrong <laughs> from the previous episode. Um, but yeah, for him to break the spell, I thought was quite interesting. Um, and yeah, it's just the look on Willow's face. You know, she she knows what she's done. You know, she's put her magic addiction kind of above everything, above her friends, above her girlfriend. And it's really sad. It's sad that she's kind of stooped to this level. But things are only ever going to get worse for her now. Yeah, but I did like it because it clearly shows her addiction that she is like, you know, she's like, oh, it'll be easy. I'll go one week without magic. No problem. And then the first thing she does is magic. It speaks to the fact that she really is an addict because she doesn't see the problem. No. And she, she, she wants to take the easy way out. And, you know, it's like, you know, Tara says to her, you know, you don't want to fight because you just want to erase the fight. And, it, yeah, it's, and you it's know, really when you think about it, Buffy is kind of also trying to take the easy way out because she's clearly distracting herself with Spike because mm. he's making her feel. Uh, but, you know, she's obviously not working very much with her emotions, with her friends and all. So she's yeah. just she, going like, this is making me feel something. This is easier. Yeah. I'm going with it. She's she's definitely distancing herself from people and sort of moving towards Spike, which, you know, as a Spuffy fan, I'm not going to lie. I think that, you know, the the bit at the end is pretty joyous. Love the tone. But, you know, I I do kind of see very clearly that, you know, when Buffy is at the bar and, you know, she she just looks so lonely and so sad and she really... It's like she's got nowhere to go, and and she looks away from him because she's completely disgusted, completely disgusted. And you can see that, and I think Sarah Michelle Gellar just portrays that very well. But then it's like the forbidden fruit. It's like you you don't want something because you just find it so repulsive <laughs> in a way, but then you kind of can't help yourself. And, yeah, I mean, them getting together is obviously a big arc in in season six and and the fallout of their relationship and 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 you know what happens going forward but i think that it mirrors willow because she does i mean in a way she becomes addicted to spike like she knows but she shouldn't but she keeps going there because it makes her feel good yeah a lot like willow with her magic it's like you know she shouldn't but it makes her feel better so it's kind of both of them are addicts in this season when you think about it yeah, because they're trying to obviously they've got a pain inside them that they're trying to numb, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting. Wow, this um, is so serious. <laughs> I know it's like, but that's that's why I love Tabula Rasa so much. Is it's it's funny, you know, it's got some great character moments in it, but the themes behind it are so serious, and there's there's so much so much fallout and so many ramifications for you know what happens next and. That's why it's so great. Except that it also has a loan shark, a literal loan shark. <laughs> that I is felt, the best part. I really felt like I was watching Charmed, and I mean, I watched Charmed, so I don't mean that there was anything bad with that. It's just a different kind of quality. So for me, the, this is one of the episodes that really shows for me, like, mm, that the quality is lagging by this point. <laughs> I love the loan shark. The only problem I have with the loan shark is logically when we meet him he tries to kill spike now that doesn't make sense because spike owes him kittens so 
So why would you try and kill someone who owes you kittens yeah. if kittens are the most valuable thing that you know, the most valuable commodity? Um, but I love the loan shark. When I saw the loan shark, I believe his name is Teeth. Oh, really? Officially. He has a name. <laughs> Apparently, he has a name, and it's Teeth. Um, which, <laughs> I mean, I, I love it, but I love it because it's so sort of camp and kitschy, and and the fact that it, you know the vocals aren't quite sort of matching his mouth movements. I just think, well, <laughs> that is just that's just classic. Also, I'd like to shout out to the very excellent scene with Giles and um, I don't know if you remember there's a scene with Giles and some um, skeleton a skeleton oh yeah when they were like fencing yeah which I thought was a really great tribute to Ray Harryhausen oh really Uh, because obviously Ray Harryhausen was you know pioneered a lot of the stop motion stuff um, in sort of old movies and I love Ray Harryhausen movies so that kind of really stood out to me I don't know whether it was a tribute to Harryhausen but that was great <laughs> we're doing shout outs I'm gonna shout out to bunnies because I feel like the bunnies did an excellent job in this episode the bunnies <laughs> were by far the best it's a great moment with Anya in the book like her stubbornness with the book and the production of bunnies it's amazing <laughs> and, then, and then you know she she kind of comes clean at the end and she's like yeah it was the wrong book <laughs> yeah so yeah shout out to the ray harryhausen skeleton and the bunnies um which you know were definitely the standout performers definitely. of the episode <laughs> um, so yeah i mean i think i think we can safely say they're both sort of very comedic episodes and they've both got some very strong humor um and obviously, we we each have our favorite. Yeah, and um, I think I think that's good because you know, like not everybody like everybody has their favorite show, and obviously, I prefer Angel the show to Buffy in general. Uh, whereas I prefer Buffy. Uh, so I think we have a good balance there because there's something for everyone. <laughs> exactly, but you know, like I say, that's that's the brilliance of these shows is that you know, people people can like episodes for a certain reason and there's no right or wrong you know there's no reason there's no it's not wrong that you like spin the bottle and it's not right that i like tabula rasa it's and and vice versa it's it's what you like what you like um and you know i respect and what we can say about them both in general is that they're you know way above your average piece of television i guess you know that absolutely um i mean i would say for me, that spin the bottle is is definitely a highlight of of Angel season four. Um, I mean, I <laughs> had I, a lot. Right. A lot of people kind of hate season four. <laughs> it's it's not my favourite. I'm not going to lie. It's um, I struggled a lot with Angel season four, and I I remember when I was doing my rewatch and the first few episodes. It took me weeks to get through them because I was like, oh, I don't really want to. I think I love it because I kind of love, I love like opera and Shakespeare and stuff. So I like those things that are kind of like, you have to watch it as an arc and it's like grandiose and yeah. So I feel like it's kind of operatic in a sense. I mean, maybe sort of from my point of view, maybe that is the reason why I'm kind of leaning more towards tabula rasa is, Buffy season six has its problems and it has big problems, but I love Buffy season six. Yeah, except for Giles leaving. That's a except for Giles leaving, <laughs> which makes me sad. And obviously Tara, which also oh, makes me yeah. sad. 
Um, let's not go there because, you know, I don't think people want to listen to us crying. Um, but Buffy season six, it is one of my favourite seasons of Buffy as a complete entity. And obviously Angel season four is not one of my favourite seasons of Angel. So maybe that kind of plays a part. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Buffy season six compared to Angel season four. Uh, well, I prefer Angel season four. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Well, like, I think, like think we've kind of established that we're we're on opposite sides of the of the coin here. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, we're not kind of out here to kind of say which one is better than the other because clearly we're both going to say that our episode is the best. So <laughs> it's just kind of a, a talking point that hopefully people can maybe kind of take some time to watch each episode and um and sort of form their own opinion on, on it their own, and just a, just appreciate these shows ability to you know be funny and kind of tragic and heartbreaking at the same time because yeah. it is hard for a show to balance that kind of humor and that kind of sadness in one episode like like they they're not just joke episodes they are significant episodes for their seasons exactly. you know yeah. for their characters so yeah um and i think you know i think that buffy and angel and especially buffy um can occasionally kind of get a little bit of criticism aimed at it for sort of gimmicky episodes which are in no way gimmicky at all but you know a lot of if you've got a serious show and there is an episode that's sort of slightly different or, you know, against the, the norm of the, of the tone of the show, that people will kind of think, oh, it's a bit of a gimmick and, you know, oh, well, there's there's spells involved and hilarity will ensue and, you know, people will get into scrapes and, and they do, but there's this a real kind of serious undertone to it that a lot of other shows would really struggle to maintain. So I think it is kind of testament to the the quality of of the team kind of behind these shows that these actually work and they work really well. Yeah. So I guess we're kind of done. I guess we are kind of done. I guess no one was converted. I'm I'm still Team Angel and you're still Team Buffy. Everything is right for the world. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Maybe once this podcast goes up, maybe we'll put a thread up and we'll find out who is... Who is Team Spin the Bottle and who is Team Tabula Rasa and and we'll get a little poll going or something like that and see see what the sort of general forum consensus is. I suspect I will be in the minority. <laughs> well, I know there are a lot of other Angel series fans kind of on the boards that appreciate Angel probably a, a lot more than than other people do and. Um, so I guess I guess we'll see, but sort of taking these episodes in their entirety, I think that you know they are two great sort of standout episodes of, of both series. So they should definitely be celebrated, <laughs> and um, and that's what we've done in the podcast today. Um, we have celebrated these excellent memory, well, not really memory loss, but memory adjustment <laughs> maybe episodes, um, and. Yeah, so I think I think we've done a good job. Me too. <laughs> I think I think for our official episode one, because this is because technically the last one was a pilot. So for official episode one episode, I think I think we've we've done really rather well. We're calling it quits, 
and now we're going to head off in our car, you know, something shiny, red, shaped like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love spikes so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess we will leave it there for now. Um, and in the next I hope episode, everyone enjoyed listening to us sort of ramble on. And, in um, the next episode, Athena will sing the entire Once More With Feeling soundtrack. Stay tuned. Uh, I might sing it uh, at the end but uh, unfortunately I I feel the recording software may cut out (laughs) at at that point but um, but yeah I guess um, I guess that's it I guess we'll just say um, I've been Athena (laughs) and I have been Angel no I have been Taki (laughs) (laughs) and um, and this has been Once More With Podcast and we'll see you hopefully again. Yeah. <laughs> You're so much better at that than I am. <laughs> Bye.